This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bakalu. Welcome everyone to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us on this new episode. Uh, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. I know that some of you might be listening to this later on on our another day of the week. But thank you for tuning in and just uh, supporting us by listening to this podcast. Just some quick updates. If you would like to stay in touch with us and you would like to know who is the next guest that we're going to have on the podcast, uh, be, be sure to go and follow us on social media. Uh, you can do that after this episode, after you listen to this episode. And you can do that by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and you can find us basically on all the major podcast platforms. And you can do that again by going on the link here on the description or the show notes. And as we do every Tuesday, we have a new guest. And today we have a sweet friend. We have Crystal Soli. Did I say that right? You did. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Thank you for joining me, Crystal. And welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. Thank you for having me. Well, I've, I had the opportunity to listen to your testimony in our Bible Study Foundation, but I got the short version. So I'm hoping that we can get a, you know, a more detailed <laughs> um, you know, version of your testimony. And I mean, I, I've been able to see just how the Lord has been working in your life. And it's just so wonderful you know, to see where the Lord brought you out of and where he has you now. Praise God. Yeah. And as I do with all of my guests, I like to go back all the way, you know, to their childhood and just give us um, some details of what, you know, what life was like for you growing up with your family, with their believers, and you can take it from there and share as much as you like. Okay. Well, I grew up predominantly with my mother uh, who... Um, is actually parent of schizophrenic, and then my biological dad is a drug addict. Mm. Um, I lived with my mom until I was nine, um, and then I went to go live with my dad until I was about from nine to about mm, probably twelve or thirteen. Mm -hmm. um, during the time that I was living with my mom, she, um, I don't have any memories of her taking care of us. It was always the neighbors taking care of us, and we just had a really rough upbringing of different. Uh, men coming in and out of the house on a weekly basis. Uh, she would not feed us, so we were dependent upon other people bringing us food as well as just um, people bringing us clothes and that sorts of stuff. And I just remember um, one Christmas, our neighbors bringing us over gifts because our mother was un was not able to do so. Um, and then there was times where during school we would be picked, we, my sister and I would be picked up by the police because our mother would be, um, out walking nude on the freeways or would be, um, incapacitated and not come and get us. So we would be, um, unfortunately picked up and put into child protective services for mm -hmm. weeks on end. Um, and we would at times get taken away and put in with our father, but that was very, um, rare. Um, but we really didn't see him much growing up. So I didn't have a, a picture of who he was. I just know I always wanted to have a dad and know what that was like because I didn't have a mother in the sense of a nurturing mm -hmm. mother. So I at least wanted to have some sort of parental figure. Mm -hmm. So when the court stepped in and took us away from our mother, um, my sister had the privilege of living with somebody she had known from her uh, youth group. And I remember with that youth uh lady would take us to church with them every now and then, and it was an assembly of God. So it wasn't a true um, example of what I know of the truth to be now, but it was some sort of representation of God and the word. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first ex uh, experience I had with the church. Um, and then when my sister stayed there to finish out her high school uh, career, and then I moved to Bakersfield from this little small town called Boron, which if people don't know, it's um, near North Edwards Air Force Base. It's about 30 miles east of Mojave, so it's really in the middle of nowhere. We were in the town where they would shoot off the shuttle when we had it here in California. Wow. And so... And where is this? Where it was state? It's here in California. Oh, it's here in California. It is. It's just so in the you Mojave grew up Desert. Here in I California. did. Okay. I was, however, born in Hawaii. My okay. biological dad was a Marine. Okay. Um, but then he um, was discharged and um, 
got out of the service, and so we moved here to California, and I've been here ever since. Oh, okay. So, and your parents were not believers then? They were not. They were not. Mm-mm. So, and you're saying that, so basically you're not really in a stable home or anything like that, so what happens in your life then? Like, where do you end up? Like, what happens with your parents? What happens with you and your sister? Yeah. Well, living with my mom, my sister and I ended up getting split up when I went to go live with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister stayed with some friends of hers who got custody of her. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister and I maybe got to see each other once a year. And then I did not know my dad prior to you know moving in with him. So I didn't really know what I was getting into. Unfortunately, that turned out to be um, another negative situation where, um, like I said, he was a drug addict. And so he would... Um, him and his wife would choose to do drugs and they would actually, because my stepmom um, was a two-time felon, they would actually have me go out and buy and sell drugs for them. Mm. And wow. so I started doing that at the age of nine and would run the streets. And then um, there was times where I'd be kicked out of the house because my stepmom did not like me. She did not like the fact that my dad had another a woman or female in his life. So she was extremely jealous of me being in the picture. So those mm-hmm. times where she would kick me out of the house at all hours of the night, so I'd be forced to go find a place to stay. Um, I would also be locked in my bedroom for days at a time with the windows being nailed shut due to her just not liking me and refusing to feed me. So it was a very negative situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember during that time just being really sad and depressed and just not really knowing what my next day looked like. Um, there was times where I was be physically beaten. Um, I was abused in all sorts of ways by men and, um, neglected. And so it was a really hard time growing up. Um, during the time that I was with my dad, I actually ended up running the streets with gangs. Um, my cousins and, um, were all involved in gangs. And so, um, I was running the streets with them and uh, pretty active with the gang life in the sense of running the streets and getting in the trouble with the law. My first encounter with the law actually was when I got arrested at the age of 10 for breaking into a house with uh, my cousins. and um, <laughs> 10 years old, okay. Yes, wow. that was my first encounter with the law. And um, I just remember just not really caring. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared what I did, so I just didn't care. I was always getting into fights, getting kicked out of school, and it just kind of learned to survive and live on the streets and just fend for yourself. And what happens when you get to high school? Like, What's life like for you? When I get into high school, I'm no longer living with my dad and my stepmom. I've uh, been removed and put into the foster care system permanently. Um, and at that time, I'm living with my... I would say probably my second foster home. And so during that time, um, I thought, you know, they were talking about adopting me and I was so happy and just really thankful for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, my foster dad turned out to uh, be a pedophile. And so he did not want me playing sports. I had to look a certain way for him. And it was just a very negative situation. Um, but at the time coming out of the gang life and living with that experience, I'm like, well, this is better than that. So Mm -hmm. I allowed myself to endure and just to try to keep going about life. But, uh, finally I had the opportunity to go to a Christian camp for softball. Um, I was playing softball in college, I mean, in high school as a freshman and my softball coach was at the time a professing believer. Um, So she was involved in this uh, group called Fellowship Christian Athletes. And Mm -hmm. so every summer they would have a camp where the high school students would go away for a week and pair up with college students. Mm -hmm. We would hear the the gospel and the, you know, the truth, but then also get the opportunity to play sports with these collegiate athletes. Yeah. Uh, During that time, just um, the Lord broke me and just, um, I wasn't saved, but I just remember um, having this, the softening of my heart to where it came out, what was happening at my home. And so I informed my coach and then I was removed from that situation. And then from the time that I left that home until the time I graduated high school, I lived in about five different foster homes Wow! and went to two different high schools. Um, 
and pretty much was on my own. I didn't have any family. Um, I didn't have any aunts or uncles in my life, no grandparents. My sister and I were separated and only saw each other maybe once a year. And then we had a younger brother born later on. And he ended up being raised by the same family that raised my sister. And so once again, I didn't really see him that often, but I got to, you know, to know him a little bit. How is, what is it like for you? Like, you know, what, what's happening with you as you are like being moved from, you know, one, one home to the other home? Like, what are some of the situations that you find yourself into, especially yourself? Like, how do you face that? Like, how, what's happening through your life at that, at that moment? At that moment, I was really depressed. I just felt I was unwanted and not loved and just got to the point where I didn't care. Um, I stopped caring um, about other people and just started hardening my heart and saw it as, uh, you know, my life was just worthless. Mm -hmm. There, I had actually attempted suicide twice in high school um, and and praise God, I was not successful, but um, that was kind of the mindset that I was at. And I was just trying just to survive and not really having a positive outlook in life. Mm-hmm. And what about like believers? Do you have any believers around you at this time? Or is it pretty much like, no, you're just kind of not being exposed again to the word of God? Yeah, I um, unfortunately did not have the opportunity to go to church. Um The foster homes that I lived in either were unbelieving homes or um, atheist, and so they didn't allow me to attend church. But um, I did, however, keep in touch with my softball coach and got to see her or talk to her periodically. So she would occasionally, you know, um, share with scripture with me. Um, and then I, the college athletes that I was connected with through softball, I was able to, um, you know, write letters with and kind of have... They're a little bit of encouragement. For the most part, I was out on my own. I didn't really, I wasn't surrounded by believers. I didn't really hear the truth. Um, and the truth that I had heard as a young child from the assembly of God with speaking mm-hmm. in tongues oh. um, mm-hmm. and running around the sanctuary um, really turned me off mm-hmm. and was just in my little mind was um, weird. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when you get to college? Um, what's happening in college? Are you still now you go on your own or since you're probably an adult or what happens? So I actually graduated high school when I was 17 and went away to college at the age of 17. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on my own once I moved into the dorms um, and didn't have any connections with any of the foster homes or uh, family members. So I was strictly on my own. I remember continuing to try to find ways to be accepted and to belong Um, by people pleasing and just um, trying to fit myself, be popular. So I'd run around in groups or um, I even at the time was uh, playing or started to play collegiate softball at, um, in college. Um, but during that time, it was really just all about survival for me. Um, I had no other mindset. I really didn't want to live, but I was still here, so I didn't really have a choice at the time. Mm-hmm. But I would periodically think about suicide, and I remember I attempted it once also as a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. And do you find any believers like in college? Like, do you are you surrounded with anyone who knows Christ? Um, my first year in college, no. Um, it actually, I attempt. Well, I had visited a couple of churches in the neighborhood and. Um, was mostly just going for the social life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really care about the gospel or about God or Christ. Like I thought I was saved because I'd prayed the sinner's prayer when I was in high school through the camp that I was a part of, mm-hmm. but never looked at what I had done, just looked at you know what other people was doing to me. And that's all I ever known about God was, oh, you just have to forgive other people. Yeah. And so when is the time that you're introduce again you know to the gospel that somebody someone takes the time to explain to you what it means you know to be saved or what it means to be a sinner you know and 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 what is the danger you know with that it brings with it right being a sinner meaning like we are separated from god so when is the next time that you have that you would have to fast forward about 10 years 
But mm. prior to that, the Lord used and orchestrated events in my life that softened my heart and brought me to have a heart that was ready to hear the truth. Um, when I was actually a freshman, no, I was a senior in high school, in college, I apologize. Um, I was actually almost killed by a drunk driver who mm. crashed into my bedroom while I was asleep. He was being chased by the police. And during that time, um, I was seriously injured and had to undergo uh, multiple neck surgeries. But during that time frame, I was in chronic pain and the doctors couldn't really figure out what was going on. So it took years before I had any source of relief. But the Lord used that to break my heart and to say, okay, look, you know what? Um, you need to forgive the people that have hurt you. But um, I never looked at anything else apart from that. I just looked at, okay, well, these people hurt me, but I can forgive them. And I was always told that, you know, you need to forgive other people because that will make your life better. Mm. And so that was the truth I was hearing. But um, I wasn't looking to Christ. I wasn't looking to um, myself in the sense of what I have done or that I was a sinner. Mm -hmm. I was looking at, okay, well, um, so-and-so abused me or so-and-so, you know, uh, never loved me or whatever the situation was that that was what uh, was keeping me separated from God and from having that that peace and that joy that I longed for. Yeah. I mean, and understanding like the reason why we forgive is because, well, first and foremost, the Lord commands us to forgive others, right? And he has forgiven us even much greater. Like mm -hmm. we all deserve the punishment to be sent to hell. Like God didn't have to send his son to die for us on the cross, right? You know, just the Bible says that while we were still his enemies, mm -hmm. you know, Christ died for us. So, I mean, God is sending his son, his only begotten son, the one that he loves, to die for sinners like us, right? And it's like when you put that in, okay, so why shouldn't I forgive? Mm -hmm. God didn't have to forgive me. Uh, and I probably ask you a little bit more about that in a little bit. But so then what happens after the accident? Like what happens with your life after that? So after the accident, my life um, was continuing to be pretty difficult. Um, I was suffering from a lot of chronic pain and um, it took years uh, and multiple surgeries before I got to the point where I'm at today where I have more relief. So during that time, I was just still trying to survive my life. Um, if I had to label it, it would have been survival. And that was the only aspect that I had. I didn't have any joy. I had no peace. Um, I didn't, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I was, I felt like I wasn't loved by anyone. And I just felt like I was, um, a lone wolf is mm -hmm. how I would explain it. Wow. And then, um, what, what comes next? Like what happens next in your life after, all of this, like by the grace of God, I was living um, in the Los Angeles area, and I had a neighbor um, invite me to go to Grace Community Church. Mm. I went ahead and went with them, and um, at the time there was a Bible study that was known as Foundry, and so I went, and um, that's when you know I kind of started to meet believers and really see what the church was like. But um, I went for about a year, and then I stopped attending. And then I moved out of the area and then just pretty much stopped attending church altogether. Um, I was didn't really have a heart for that at the time and was really hurting and didn't want to deal with the pain. Mm -hmm. And how do you come then to, to know Christ? When is the point in your life that the Lord finally, you know, like convicts you of, what you are, how you're standing before the Lord, you know, like when is the time that you finally grasp the, the whole, man, you know, gospel of like, oh, this is what it means to repent. And this is my problem with God right now. <laughs> right. Well, I moved back to the area and I just remember a friend of mine telling me about, you know, Grace Community Church and telling me about they had that young adult career uh, group and encouraged me to go check it out. So I did and started attending Grace once again. And during this time, I sought biblical counseling through the church. And I was doing it just for myself in the sake of I'm tired of being in so much pain. I want relief and had no 
I thought like a time I was saved. So I didn't see myself as needing to know the Lord or even growing stronger to know him. But I saw it as in, okay, what can man do for me? How can I get out of this emotional pain that I'm enduring from my childhood and Mm -hmm. even from the accident that I had to go through? And during that time, a sweet dear friend of mine was talking to me and she shared with me what repentance was. And so it was during that time that I realized I had never truly repented of anything I had done. I never knew I needed to. Because like I said, I thought I was already saved. Um, but when she shared that with me, it all came together and made sense to me. And it realized this is why I haven't been growing. And this is why nothing's changed in my life after all these years. Um, because I didn't have a personal relationship with Christ. I just remember that evening, it was probably around September of 2014, that um, I truly repented and came to know the Lord. And so this is like the moment that the Lord finally, and and what is the journey like? Because that the thing is like, you know, when we come to Christ, it's not like, oh, you come to Christ and all your problems and everything just automatically disappear. We go through a journey, right? Of like the Lord sanctifying us. What is it like for you? Because clearly you said, I dealt with depression. I thought about committing suicide. Um, what about forgiveness to other people? Like, what is that process like for you? The process takes years for me to get to where I'm at today. And it's by the Lord's grace and mercy that um, he put faithful women in my life to minister to me, to mentor me, and to um, walk with me endlessly and um, unconditionally to help me see him. Um the journey was not easy. Um, I remember still suffering from pain from my childhood that, um, I still had thoughts of suicide. I still, um, had not really, um, surrendered over and trusted the Lord. I had the head knowledge at this time and did accept the Lord as my savior, but still had that trouble of trusting him Mm. and still sought man out to heal me and to um, give me that love that I yearned for, that joy, that peace that I wanted so much and to belong. I Mm -hmm. was seeking man and that was something that got me into some trouble. Um, I hurt some dear friends of mine and praise the Lord, they forgave me and they showed me what Christ's love really was. And that was just further testimony of the Lord's love towards me. Mm -hmm. And, um, He, you know, I thought during this time that I was just too damaged, that I wasn't going to be able to um, ever overcome my past because uh, it just haunted me and I was enslaved to it. I was in bondage for years. And I remember for probably about a good three or four years really struggling with being depressed and wanting to die and just not having that joy and that peace that can only come from the Lord. And it was mostly because of the fact that I just wasn't trusting him. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to see you, you know, um, grown so much. It's amazing just to see um, how the Lord has helped you through the darkest of times, especially, you know, after the Lord saves us, right? Like you would think, oh, everything just automatically just disappear. Like everything is fixed, you know, you don't feel depressed. You don't feel like you don't have those thoughts, you know, suicidal thoughts and things like that. But I mean, and I know because I, I was there, even like after the Lord saved me, it took a process, you know, to, to, to really fight your thoughts. And it's only through the word of God that you can do that. So tell me a little bit about where you are today. Like how, what were some of the things that the Lord, uh, used or to help you, you know, to, to, to help you overcome that process of, depression, suicidal thoughts, you know, because I think a lot of times we don't hear people being open, as open to talk about these things. Uh, Our Christian life is not perfect, and we all battle with different things. And and just because we don't go say it around, it doesn't mean like, you know, our life is is perfect. But tell me a little bit about that journey of battling depression, battling the suicidal thoughts, um, forgiving, like, did you get to that point of 
complete forgiveness, you know, forgiving your family, your parents and things like that, right? Because in the world, we, we will probably hear from people, oh, yeah, you have the right to be mad. You have the right to, to, to not probably forgive that person because they hurt you so much. I think that's what the world would say. But as a believer, that is not the correct answer. The correct answer is that once you have been saved, you also have to forgive those who have, like, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. You know, God loved us, his enemies. So tell me a little bit about the process and, yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things that really helped me was just having that um, consistency of godly women in my life to um, point me to the scripture and to remind me that that's where the Lord speaks and that's where um, the true um, healing can come from because there's nothing that man can do that Christ can't do beyond. And this whole time I was seeking to replace what I didn't have. Mm. And so each time that I would be told that, hey, look, you know what, let's go to scripture. Let's, you know, um, point you to what the Bible says about the situations I was struggling with. And I just remember, you know, um, being constantly reminded that, you know what, you got to put on and put off. And it was putting off those negative thoughts, but you had to put them on with the truth of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like, oh, the Lord says this, but it's actually using his word to combat those lies. Mm -hmm. And it was carrying around index cards that had verses on it for me to recite because during that time, and even to today, it's hard for me to sometimes memorize scripture because of the pain I suffer from. It's having those index cards ready for the battle plan and it's being equipped and having that the plan ahead of you to know what you're going to do when those times comes. Rather, it's, okay, you first off have to go to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But then after that, if you're still struggling, you can seek man out. Mm -hmm. But make sure it's somebody who's mature, who's godly, who is able to point you to God, but do it in a loving you know, way that will only help you grow and see him. I remember the first time that I memorized scripture, that was such a healing moment for me because um, I was just so encouraged that I could do this and that mm -hmm. just to see how it was speaking to me and just the growth that that caused in my own life by memorizing um, his word and just seeing the power that comes from it and recognizing that the Bible is supernatural and it's full of his power. But yet we sometimes forget that. Mm -hmm. And if we don't go to his word, then we're falling short of being able to experience his true healing. And then when you go to his word, you realize, you know, that we are commanded to forgive. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I have come to the point where I have truly forgiven um, each and every person who, who um, did cause me pain, who did hurt me, who did abuse me. Um, and that's only through the power of Christ because on my own, I probably would wish them the worst because mm -hmm. that's just our human flesh and we seek revenge. But yet the Lord says revenge is his. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's times where I will pray for those people and pray that they will come to know him before it's too late. Um, and that's taken a lot of effort for me to do that because mm -hmm. those times where I'm just like, I want them to pay for what they did to me because I've still have had to suffer, yeah. but that's not the attitude we're called to have. Um, and I just being, I just remember verses that I would memorize, which is like Philippians four, six through seven about not being anxious, just putting that onto my mind when I would get anxious or when I would think that I'm not loved, just recognizing that, um, the Lord's mercies are new every day. Um, mm -hmm. I remember being taught Lamentations three twenty two and 23. And that was just scriptures that I would fall short today. I would have suicidal thoughts. I would um, seek man out before I sought God. Um, mm -hmm. I would idolize man. Um, I would see how they were living and I'd want that life. And so that became my idol because I'm like, wow, they're so full of joy, full of love. I want that. So let me just idolize this person and that's going to come to me. But mm. that's not the case. Mm. Um, and fortunately, that person helped me see the truth and recognize that, look, you know what? It only comes from the Lord. And so when you realize that his mercies are new every day, you recognize that that includes his forgiveness, that when we fall short, 
he's there to pick us up and mm-hmm. we can't do anything um, on our own power, but it's all through his. Yeah. And it's all through his strength. And when we go through trials, he will give us the grace and the strength to persevere when that time comes. Yeah. Um, but not a moment too soon. And so sometimes I would think that, wow, I'm just really damaged, but praise the Lord that I'm not. And that in him, I'm a new creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has given us a new heart of flesh. You know, it's like, um, yes, our problems, they don't automatically just disappear. But now we know that the Lord is the one in absolute, and he's always in control of absolutely everything. And even more, you know, like when we come to him, um, because now we know that we're not dealing with our circumstances on our own, that he's the one who gives us the strength to do anything, to deal with the troubles that our day bring, right? And that's why he commands us not to be anxious about anything because he is the one, right, that gives us that strength, that gives us um, the courage to, you know, to, to, to even move forward. It's not of our strength. Like you said, if it's on our strength, it's like we're completely going to fail. Like we can't do it on our own, but he is faithful. And like Jesus is our, harp, uh, our high priest, that he understands, like he can sympathize with our sufferings. And I love what you, what you said, you know, that you thought that you were just too damaged and we need Christ's sacrifice, but not only for our salvation, but even after salvation for our sanctification, like you were saying, right? Like the whole process of sanctifying you, that you had also uh, very patient and loving women that were able to speak truth to you. And I think for any believer who might find itself being in the other side of the spectrum, which is like you being the one counseling the person, how much you need to be, you know, to really exercise that patience from the Lord to lovingly continue to point, because I'm sure that it wasn't like someone comes to you and tell you, you know, scripture and then things are just fine. I'm sure that it was a process of continuous, you know, like counseling. It was. And I mean... I just am so thankful for those women because they would repeat themselves. Um, They would at times say the same thing for weeks on end until my hard head actually understood what they were saying Mm -hmm. or until I actually applied what they were saying, but they never gave up on me. And if man like that, a godly woman who loves the Lord can show me that unconditional love, what more can our Heavenly Father do? Mm-hmm. Uh, his love is so much greater. Mm-hmm. And He gives us that opportunity to see it through glimpses of man's love. And mm-hmm. I am so thankful for that opportunity because um, I look back at my life and I see the hardships I went through. But I look at the life of Joseph and mm-hmm. I see how the Lord put him through hardships and how even through the different trials he went through, the Lord was preparing him for greater things to come. And I look at my life and I realize, had I stayed with my biological mom before she lost custody of us, what would my life be like today? Um, I may not be here. I may be um, hooked on drugs. I I don't know. But if I lived with my dad and my stepmom and was running the streets with gangs, um, I had a cousin at the age of 11 get pregnant and have a child. I had another one um, locked up for three counts of life for first degree murder. Those are mm-hmm. the people I was associated with. Um, but the Lord removed me from that environment. And yes, it wasn't easier, um, but it saved me from a life of crime and a life of who knows what it would have been. And so I have to look back and see the positiveness and see how the Lord was using events in my life to bring me to him before I even knew it. You know, he knows the future. He knows what's going on before we even know. And he's already at work. And so all we can do is just faithfully walk. Mm -hmm. And how amazing is that, right? That you just look back and it's like the hand of God was in every corner of your life. Even if it was dark and even if it was painful, he he doesn't let go of the ones that he has chosen, Mm -hmm. right? And I think it's so comforting to know that, that, I mean, any of us, like if we look back at our lives, um, we can see 
the hand of God is in every in every moment of our life and how he protected us and how he cared for us. Like we were not alone. Even if we didn't know that God was there with us, he was there all the time. And now we get to see it. Now we get to like, you know, think about it. And it's like, yeah, Lord, you were there. And thank you. And it makes us just praise him even more. Like just this week, I was um, driving in the freeway. And I was listening to the song, Jesus, Thank You. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> one of my favorite was, songs. Yes. I was just like listening to like uh, once you're like uh, you wash uh, your blood washed away my sin. Just Jesus, thank you. Once you're enemy and I'll seated at your table. It's like, I don't know. I just like, got like goosebumps and I was just like got tears in my eyes <laughs> and I'm seeing like the creation, God's creation. And it's just things like that of being reminded what the Lord has done for you. It should steered up worship and praises to the Lord just to be reminded that we have a faithful God and now like I said like we were starting into Genesis and just seeing like the covenants like the promises of God and his promises have not changed even till mm-hmm. this day and that pro- those promises that he made you know with Noah and, and and Abraham which is like where we are this week is like they were passed on to us we were Gentiles. We were, you know, like far being from like being part of it, having any part with the Lord. And yet he brought us to, you know, to him. It's not like we bring ourselves to God. He brings us to him. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And it's just like, it's just amazing to see that. So now what about, you know, from the moment that you start getting, you know, you get in the gospel, the Lord saves you. And yes, you're going through that difficult process of, all of us are still in the process of sanctification, you know, like we will be until the day we die. <laughs> you know, it's not like everything is going to be fixed here in this world. But w- what is your involvement within the church? You know, like from the moment, like, you know, the Lord saves you. But yet, yes, during the time you're going through the difficult process of forgive, forgiving and healing, you know. Um, but do you get involved in the church? And if you do, like, how are you serving the body of Christ? So, yes, one thing that I was encouraged to do um, was to serve. Um, and so I was challenged to look for opportunities to serve other people within our Bible study. When I first started attending, uh, looking for opportunities to, um, we have a ministry where we would deliver meals to people who were sick or just had a baby or whatever the situation was that they were in need. We would, you know, people would step up and volunteer to deliver a meal. Um, so I remember I would do that occasionally. Um, and then I started getting plugged in with the events team through our Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also part of foundation. And so doing opportunities to, you know, help with events, various kinds, whether it's the Christmas party or if it's, you know, park days or different kinds of things like that. And then um, I started getting involved in children's ministry, doing vacation Bible school and uh, serving on Sunday mornings with helping new visitors or mm-hmm. parents that, you know, needed additional assistance. And so, and then we also have, you know, our Shepherds Conference once a year that I would be actively involved in. And so I always looked for ways to serve. I think the Lord gifted me with that heart of service. And so um, it just comes naturally, but it brings so much joy to my heart when I get the opportunity to serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I I don't know, I I kind of was thinking as as you were saying, as you you were sharing this right now, uh, what about family? Like, did you ever reconnect with family or I think for, for me in, in specific, it's like the church has become like such a sweet part of my life and that being like a family in Christ. So how did the church in itself become to you? Like what are some of the blessings that you see the Lord giving you through the church? Well, the answer to your first question in regards to my biological family. Yes. Um, I will occasionally hear from my biological dad. Um, it's very far and few between. Um, and then, unfortunately, my biological mom has been missing for about two years. Um, and so I have not had any contact with her. Um, and just pray that she is still alive and safe. But nobody knows where she's at or any of the, her whereabouts. I am. I do have my sister, who's three years older than I am, that we have, by the grace of God, have grown closer. And she has a five-year-old 
um, that I just I love, and she calls me Aunt. I like the little bug. So it's just precious when I get the chance to go visit them. And I have a younger brother who is 10 years younger that I will, you know, occasionally get to talk to. Um, mm. And then I had another brother, but unfortunately, um, he chose the path of not wanting to believe in God and got involved in drugs and passed away. So that was the, you know, and then the Lord also gave me an opportunity to reconnect with an aunt and uncle that I hadn't seen in over 20 years that professed to be believers that um, just this last year I have had the opportunity to get to know. And um, it's on my mom's side. It's my mom's brother. So that's been a huge blessing and just getting to know more about my family that I don't know about through, you know, um, like Ancestry.com, my sister found an aunt on my dad's side that appears to also be a professing believer that lives back east that I've never met, um, but she will occasionally message my sister and I, so we're getting to know her a little bit. Okay. Um, so that's the extent of like what involvement we have with our biological family, but the church definitely has become my family. Um, I have dear friends that I consider to be like sisters to me, um, that they may not know that that's how I think of them, but I do. I just love them dearly. And um, then I have, you know, um, an, an, a mentor couple from Foundation that have adopted me and considered me like their uh, adopted daughter in a sense. And so that's just been a fun thing that we do, you know, and it's, they've, you know, have been there to help me with surgeries and those sorts of things. And I have a dear uh, friend of mine that now lives on the East Coast that has been my mentor, and um, I love her dearly. That has continued to be in my life and I had the opportunity to live with. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, having that opportunity really just showed me uh, more of Christ and really propelled me in growth and just helped me to have more of a deeper longing to know Him and to be in His Word and mm -hmm. to um, just study it. Yeah. I mean, that, I, that is just another blessing, right, from the Lord, just having the church body to walk with us through all those difficult times. And, well, if people think that the church is not needed, I'm, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> One, we're supposed to, we are commanded to meet as a church, but um, even more of a blessing knowing that when we are going through a difficult trial or whenever we're facing a dark time like that, that you can have people who can speak truth to you, people who are by your side and that you're not going through, especially like in your case, right? Like you didn't have any biological family with you to face those th many of the things in your life, right? And yet the Lord bless you later on in your life with giving you the church and the church family and just friends coming alongside you and that it's just the Lord and his love again, like not only does he save us, but he is still, you know, like till the day we die, he's walking us through life, you know, like he's walking beside us with us before us, like, you know, and it's just amazing to know that, that we're not doing life on mm -hmm. our own, that Christ is part of our life in, in like any, like even like the most insignificant moments that we have, right? Like those moments that we're like, oh yeah, simple. But even those simple moments that we know that Christ is there, like he knows our heart, like what you were saying, he knows what we're going to say before we even say it. Like mm -hmm. he knows what's in our heart. Nobody probably didn't know what was going on in your life, but Christ knew, like the Lord knew and how gracious he is to just put those people to use his word, you know, to encourage you and to give you the strength and to bring you where you are today, you know. Like, you look better, too. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, it's just amazing. And praise the Lord for that. All right. So I think we are ready to move on to our signature questions. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's do this. So uh, books, any books that you like, um, that, like favorite books that you have? Um, so I've in becoming more of an avid reader, I have to say I haven't really been faithful at reading as much, but I would say Trusting God is one of the first books that was uh, given to me that really um, propelled my growth and has just been an instrumental book in just uh, learning how to trust the Lord, learning what that looks like, and just recognizing um, when we need to and when we're not. Yeah. Um, and even in the small things that we don't recognize that we are, then how do we, 
you know, it's just learning that, okay, if I'm trusting God with this little thing, then how can I not trust him with this big thing? And just, it was such an eye opener for me. Um, mm. And I've, I've gone back to that book multiple times and it's a staple in my life. Um, another one is Putting a Past in Its Place is another book that was given to me that was instrumental in my growth. Um, definitely talked about, you know, looking at the Lord and um, looking at how he uses events in your life. And um, those two books were really big in my life. And then I would say probably it's hard to pick a, th- a third one, but um, Respectable Sins is a good book. You know, we see things that maybe we don't see as sin or things like that that help you recognize sin for sin, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we call it for what it is versus just trying to, uh, it's an ordinary thing, so we're just going to excuse it. Mm-hmm. Like sugarcoat it or hide it away under the rug. Like, no, the Lord mm-hmm. sees every single sin. Right. <laughs> Even the ones that are like in our hearts, you know, and well, everything starts in the heart, but still like, or things that we have in our minds, like, you know, like the thoughts, even a sinful thought that you might not be thinking about like, oh, oh yeah, this is sin. Well, especially yeah. in today's world where mm-hmm. sin is just so just make excuses for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in the public school system and I was a behavior therapist and um, we would have terminologies that excused sin. It was opposition or defiance disorder. Mm. Um, no, it's just sin. Mm-hmm. And so you need to call it what it is. And if you want change, then it needs to be what it is. That's yeah. the only way you get change. I think uh, we hear that a lot, right? That whatever is, so this days things are backwards. So good is evil and evil is good basically mm-hmm. nowadays. And that's what we see it, especially yep. on social media. Like on social media, a lot of times now they're uh, basically either not letting people post, right? Uh, you know, certain things because apparently it's, it's violating their guidelines or policies. And so now we can call sin for what it is. Yeah. Because now people are trying to stop us from doing it, from right. doing so. So yeah, definitely um, we need to be careful, like with our conscience, like what we, you know, let's slip away. Mm-hmm. Now, what are three things that brings you joy? Oh, three. <laughs> I might have to do four. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Three. You can do four. Okay. Um, one is definitely being around those that I love. Um, it is just, um, especially now that I've grown and just have a different mindset of the Lord and having a more personal relationship with Him, it's so much healthier to be around those that I love and I'm not the needy person I was. So it's just a different relationship now that I have with those people and that's so much fun and so much joy to experience and to be able to uh, still have those relationships that I don't deserve. And so that goes with my, with my biological siblings or with my family from the church. Like to me, it's all one, it's all my family. So when I get the opportunity to spend time with those that I love is just a really precious time. Um, another one is my dog. Um, I, she got a new dog. I did. <laughs> I got my dream dog, a wolf dog. It is a lot of work. And I ask myself, why did I get a puppy? (laughs) Well, he's pretty big for a puppy. Like, he looks big. He's only 60 pounds in six months. So I'm looking at my dog, okay? (laughs) My dog is not a puppy. (laughs) No, he's really cute. He's adorable. So, yeah, so he brings me joy. Um, And then I really enjoy playing sports. Um, when I get the opportunity, ultimate Frisbee is something I really have picked up playing. Um, thanks to a friend who introduced it to me, mm-hmm. um, which we tease her about because with the neck injury I have, and yet she taught me ultimate Frisbee. So <laughs> that's a great way. <laughs> You're, come on. It's very competitive. I played it before and I'm like, this is too much competition here for me. Um, so ultimate Frisbee. Okay. Yes. And then serving, you know, just mm-hmm. being an instrument for the Lord and, um, I would say like, you know, tying that into being with the Lord, you know, learning more about him and being used for him brings me joy. Yeah. My last question is, I mean, we do this podcast and we always mention one person and that is Jesus Christ, right? So why do we need Jesus? I mean, that is the million dollar question that I wish the world knew more of. And I wish that... Um, they were more accepting to this. But mm-hmm. we need Jesus because apart from him, we're sinners. We are um, 
we fall short every day. Um, I think about, you know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, or we look at, um, you know, in today's society, people see themselves as being, oh, I'm righteous or I'm right in what I'm doing. But it clearly states in scriptures, also in Romans 3, 10 through 12, that none is righteous, no, not one. And so apart from Christ, we are destined for hell. Mm-hmm. And in hell, we are apart from God for eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that doesn't you know, put the fear of God in you, then um, I pray for you because we mm-hmm. all need the Lord, the saving God, uh, the true Jesus Christ. He's the mediator between us and God. And without him, um, there is no bridge. No man can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And, we, you know, I just went to a conference this weekend and, you know, talked about how, you know, there's um, back, you know, even to today, those people that believe that, you know, there's man that can bridge the gap for us, but it's not. There's mm-hmm. only one God, and that's Jesus Christ who can bridge that gap. And so we need him for our salvation. We need him for our true saving, you know, grace and faith. And as believers, we need him because without him, this life is just impossible. There's no way that we can hold up the Christian walk without him. He's our strength. He is our support. And um, he is just, he's there for us with comfort, with um, discipline that we need to grow. He's there with us for wisdom. And so he should be a part of our everyday life. There's nothing else. I've, I'm a living testament to that. I've tried works. I tried pleasing man. It doesn't bring you joy. It doesn't bring you healing. Mm-hmm. The only one that's capable of doing that is Jesus Christ. Amen. He will use people to help you, but it's only through him. Amen. Thank you so, so much for joining me, for sharing just the wonderful, I mean, work that the Lord has done and it's, it's still doing in all of us, you know, like it's, it doesn't yeah. stop there, right? Like you're safe, but there is a lot of work to be done till the day we die. And I think I'm just so grateful to see, to be able to see part of that in your life and very grateful. So friends, thank you so much for listening or watching. Again, remember to follow us on social media so we can stay connected and for you to find out, you know, who the next guest is going to be on the podcast. And now in closing, will you mind praying for us, please? Not at all. (laughs) Thank you. Dear Gracious Father, we just come before you just in awe of who you are, of what you've done in our lives, Lord, and especially in my life as I've been able just to be used to share my testimony that is ultimately your testimony. I pray, Lord, that um, whoever hears this testimony that doesn't know you would come to a true saving faith through you, Lord, and that they would just... Uh, repent that their knees would be bended and that they would just come before you, Lord, and confessing their sins. Um, I pray for those that do know you that may be struggling with things that I've struggled with, that they could be encouraged and that um, they could just reach out for help, um, reach out for that um, extra support if needed, Lord. And I just thank you for this time that we've had together and pray that you would just go before us and that this um, rest of today, Lord, would just be uh, glorifying and edifying to you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.